One of the biggest rules in personal finance is to buy a used car with cash. You hear stories about how your car loses value as soon as you drive it off the lot. That used car has already seen its biggest depreciation, and borrowing just makes it all worse. So we're gonna blow that whole thing up today. My favorite car buying strategy is to, in fact, finance a brand spanking new car and pay it off over five years. This approach has done me well. Let's talk about exploding this idea that you should never ever buy a new car with financing. Welcome to It Doesn't Make Sense, where even when you're doing money wrong, you're still doing it right. Season one is all about digging into debt. Is it a moral failing or can some debt actually be a tool for a better life? We're gonna cover all the angles. Hey, Miranda, so this is very applicable to you because you financed a car. So let's dive straight into how this has worked for you. Yeah, so it seems really counterintuitive, but this works when you have the ability to get a good rate and you plan to use the car for a long period of time. So we're going to go into this with some caveats to begin with, and we're probably going to have to start out by acknowledging the fact that I'm an upper middle class white lady with, well, actually quite poor credit. I actually have bad credit. You can read about that sometime. Basically, the idea is that where can that money be put to better use? So my money stays in the market. So my most recent car, which I bought in the summer of 2021, is financed for 2.49%. Not as good as the first time I did this when I had 1.9%, but 2.49% is nothing to sneeze at. And so with the market offering about 9% annualized return... For me, the money feels better off in the market than pulling it out of the market and then using it to buy this car with cash. This logic sounds pretty similar to our previous episode about home appreciation and interest rate versus what the market is offering. So this is a fairly similar line where you're like, hey, my interest rate is 2.49. Market is giving me 9% returns. You know, if you look at just purely the numbers by itself, it makes sense for me and my situation. 100%. And it's the nice thing, too, is like the car is new. So everything is still under warranty. It is unlikely to break down. Because I have bought used cars in the past. And the first car that we bought for my son was this like little $1,500 beater. And in uh, and within six months of having it, we had to start putting money into it to, to repair it. The car was the same age as my high school graduation date. And so, so like it was an old car and we ended up putting probably put up just as much into the car as the car cost within like the first 12 to 18 months. And by the time we got rid of that one and moved into something that was more expensive, but still used for my son, we had put a decent amount in there. And so for me, for buying my own cars, I like that I don't have to worry about repairs. I don't have to put more money into repairs. I just need to take it in, do the maintenance. Oh, the other nice thing is that depending on where your dealership is, some of them will give you free oil changes for life. And so now you've bought your car and now you could just keep taking it in for an oil change, which is, you know, the biggest bit of maintenance that you usually do when you buy a new car. Wow. Where, what kind of cars and what kind of dealerships give you this? Because that's not been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one I've got right now does not come with free oil changes for life. The one that I had last time when I lived in Utah, 
when I bought new, that was one of the things that they were throwing in as a bonus, right? If you come to their dealership, they will give you free oil changes as long as you have this new car that you bought from them. Yeah, and something I'm just thinking about on the top of my head is I know in the last couple of years, it may be changing now, well, we can try to find some research and put in the show notes for everyone, is that used car prices weren't that much cheaper than a new car. Yeah, so there have been a couple of times, which is interesting because the first time I did this, I bought a 2012 Subaru Outback and I bought that in 2011. So that was the stock market starting to recover, still a little bit of like recession feelings. There weren't a lot of used cars available. So the interesting thing that we found was that we could get a new 2012 Subaru Outback for $2,000 more than getting a used Subaru Outback that was five years old. And so we're like, for $2,000 extra, let's do this. So then the financing was 1.9%. And I was just like, hot damn. Like, <laughs> like this is this is amazing. Uh, just get a five-year loan. And it worked out. I mean, the only time that I ever had to take that car in for like repairs was when somebody hit me. <laughs> and then I had to go take the car in for repairs because somebody hit me. <laughs> the same thing with this this other one. So after I'd had that car, it was paid off after five years. I drove it for another five years. Then I turned around and used that car's trade-in value as the down payment for the car I have now that I bought in summer of 2021. And interestingly enough, it was the same kind of thing where economic conditions were weird and things were becoming, you know, speeding up after the pandemic and used car prices were high. And it was hard to find used cars. People were holding on to their cars for longer. Uh, it worked out the same thing. I still got a pretty decent rate at 2.49%. And I didn't put any money down because I went ahead and used a trade. I just did all of the things wrong. I just did them all wrong. I used the trade-in as the down payment, and then I financed the rest for five years. So I'm two years into that now, two and a half years in. So I'm about halfway through that now. I do want to say it was just a side note. It was really interesting. I believe it was like the end of 2020 or 2021. My husband and I were thinking about possibly getting a car in the next like year or two. And we kept getting these, I guess, solicitation letters. That sounds so official. But anyways, sort of like flyers were like, hey, you bought this 2019 car and this is what the trade in value that would give you. And it was something like higher than what the Kelly Blue Book rate was. I don't even remember the exact number, but it, it felt like wow, this car is worth this much, you know, used. Um, and we were very, very tempted. We ultimately did it because I really love this car. And, you know, I also had to think about like how much more we would have had to pay for a new car. So that, that was just an interesting tangent in terms of used cars may not actually be a better uh, fit, especially if the new car, like you said, for your specific example, like a $2,000 difference you could actually easily put $2,000 worth of money into repairs or maintenance or whatever. And so that's just another cost to, to think about. And, and then to me, too, it goes back to those values, because for me, it doesn't matter if the car loses its resale value immediately because I'm going to keep the car for, for 10 years. Right. I'm going to keep the car for eight to 10 years. I may sell it before the 10 years, depending on like you know, what things look like in the market, where the rates are, everything like that, like paying attention to that. In general, I plan to keep the cars for 10 years. They get paid off in five years and I get a good rate. The money stays in the market and keeps growing. And that's the thing that's always been interesting to me is when people are like, why would you put all this money in this new car that is a depreciating asset that loses value the minute you drive it off the lot? And I'm like, 
yeah, exactly. Why would I put my own money into that? <laughs> like when I can use other people's money at a low rate and keep the rest of my money in the market. Like, like yes, you are correct. Why would I do that? I don't. <laughs> you know, for me, the lifestyle, the convenience, I don't want to have to deal with repairs. I don't want the car out of pocket. Um, because I want to use it to do things like go out to the mountains on the weekend. And I can't go out to the mountains on the weekend if I buy a car that is old and broke down and it's in the shop. I can't take that car camping with me when it's in the shop. So it really comes down to like my lifestyle preferences, my feelings, my peepees, and how I want to have access to this car. And so the fact that it loses resale value doesn't matter to me because I'm not planning on reselling it. I'm planning on driving it for 10 years and then taking it in and getting something different. So what I'm hearing is your value of wanting to go camping spontaneously is worth it to you for that supposed extra cost or the depreciation, sorry, that you're going to experience by driving it off the lot. The depreciation is, is immaterial to me because I'm not planning on reselling it. It's not like I'm out here flipping my Subaru Outback, although I could have. At the time I bought it, if I had if I had been willing to sell it six months later, I could have got $5,000 more than I paid for it. <laughs> like, it was wild. It was a wild time back there in fall of 2021. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, bottom line for me is like, the depreciation doesn't matter because I'm not planning on reselling it. I'm not planning on flipping it. I'm not planning on anything like that because the purpose of the car for me is not resale value. The purpose of the car for me is to be available and reliable and allow me to live my life. I mean, this could be an entire episode talking about Miranda's bad money choices, but obviously we're not. Um, the, the, there is the entire podcast is the bad, entire podcast. bad money, there you go. <laughs> money choices. There are other people who I'm not I'm not gonna say they're making bad money choices, but they're they're in a similar position where they've chosen to finance a car. I'm not the only one who does this. Ashley Barnett, who also does personal finance education and who we know through our personal finance community also has done this. We talked to her about how she approaches this and it's very similar except she does in fact use a down payment and get an older car. But let's go ahead and listen. In 2017, we bought a brand new car, a Camry. It wasn't that extravagant, but uh, we did finance it. And I have a lot of personal finance nerds in my life and actually got a spreadsheet in, the, in my emails to, to show me what a terrible decision that was. <laughs> so I plan to have this car for 20 years. So the fact that I paid $18,000 for it over 20 years is not going to make any difference at all. And I know the history of the car. I've had it, what, five, six years now? We just did our first repair which was $200. So I think I'm okay. We'll definitely talk about this a little bit later in this episode, but I do want to bring up the idea of opportunity costs when it comes to buying a car outright in cash versus financing it. What are some considerations to think about? What way maybe you can think about in terms of how your money's be best used for, for your needs and gains and things like that, as well as a new car versus a, a used car like Ashley did. So before we do that, I do want to bring in sort of real life here. Right? Let's be realistic. Most people or a lot of people have to borrow money in order to get a reliable form of transportation. And I just want to note that where I live, it is virtually impossible to take the bus anywhere. The, the bus system is terrible, just to say the least. 
just as an example where I live, if I drive, it takes about 20-ish minutes to get to the airport. If I were to take the bus, it'd be two and a half to three hours. And that's really like on a good day. And so for some people, too, if they're commuting to and from work, I know students who commute um, on public school bus system in order to get to school. Some of these kids have to wake up like super early to get to the bus in order to get to school. And they have to transfer multiple times. So that's just really an example from where I live. And so most people may not have the cash readily available to even buy a used car. And so a loan is in many, many cases, a necessity. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, if you have a job here in the United States, you probably have a car. And if you're going to get to that job and do things like afford food to eat and to put a roof over your head, you're going to need to have that car. You need that reliable transportation. You need to be able to get into your work. And so financing might be it. That might be the only way you can come up with that chunk of capital. And so financing isn't just a privilege that I have, and it is to some degree, the fact that I can get such a low rate and all that kind of stuff. It's not just a privilege that I have. In some cases, it's a necessity. And we could have a whole other episode on, you know, the fact that when we do have these necessities, there are definitely uh, people who are going to take advantage of that and ring you. Yes. I will pop a couple of uh, resources in the show notes as well. I want to talk about the cost of cars. So not only have interest rates been rising, which we'll cover that in a little mm -hmm. bit, but the average price of a new car is a little over $45,000. And part of that is, I don't know what the exact term is, not shrinkflation. If, if I find what, what it is, I will, again, put in the show notes as well, is that many car manufacturers for new cars are actually discontinuing sedans or smaller makes and models, at least I think domestically, so in the U.S., in favor of crossovers and SUVs and things like that. So the, the car that I have that I love that I'm not going to sell for a while, even if I wanted to replace that car with the same model, that model has been discontinued. I essentially have to either buy a bigger sedan, which at that point I feel, I feel like for me would make more sense to get the crossover. And so the cost for that crossover is actually quite higher than the current car that I have. So $45,000 sound like an insane amount. And for many people, that is actually their annual salary, if you think about it. That's how much they may have to pay for a new car. And even a used car is on average around $26,000. That feels like what I used that I paid for for my new car like a couple of years ago. I have another used car and that car was about $8,000. And at that time that I bought it or my husband and I bought it, we thought that was like an astronomical amount for a used car. But compared to $26,000, that's about like a third of the, the average amount. So yeah, so car prices are going up, even used car prices are going up. And so if you are in a situation, even buying a used car might require financing. It's gone are the days. Like like I said, when I bought my son's first car for him for $1500 when he was 15, so now he's 21, so 6 years ago, for $1500, we ended up having to put a lot into the car. And that's the thing is you can buy these beaters and say like, oh, but will it get you to your job on time anymore? Trying to get something for less than $5,000 that's going to be reliable on a regular basis is extremely difficult. All right. So just because this works for me, it does not mean that it is the right move for you. Because of course, personal finance is, as they say, personal. Even though I am very neutral about debt, 
if you're in debt, if you need to take out a personal loan, all those things, that's you. That's your personal situation. I'm not going to judge. For me, I'm not super comfortable with debt. If I have to go into debt for necessity or it makes sense financially, like if I get a super low interest rate, then yeah. So the last several cards that I've had, I've actually paid for it outright in cash just because my husband and I were planning for those purchases for several years. So we were actually putting money away every month in order to afford to pay for a car fully in cash. And so we did trade in our vehicles. So by the time we bought a another vehicle, we traded in our our previous one. So we knew what the traded value approximately would be. And then we sort of adjusted our savings plan in order to either add more or like lower the amount we saved so that we, we knew that we can just pay for something outright in cash. I think that makes a lot of sense because you know your comfort level and you know how you feel about it. And you planned ahead for that. Like that's pretty standard, right? Where you say, buy this car, buy what you can afford, pay cash, then make sure you're saving up for the next car so that you can continue to pay cash. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there are lots of reasons why you might want to do that. Like you may not get a good rate. Interest rates are on the rise right now. Like I have a 2.49% interest rate on my car. If I went to buy the same car today, now, almost two and a half years later, my interest rate would be closer to six or seven percent. And then it doesn't make sense for me to have my money in the market. It makes sense for me to like buy a cheaper car. I do want to talk about the fact that you know my husband and I were able to save up for a car for several years and be able to invest. And we were paying down our mortgage and we, we had an emergency fund. We kind of had all those things in place as well. I think if we were to just start saying, hey, we're going to save for a car and sort of neglect all of the other foundations like emergency fund, investing, making sure we are able to pay for our you know, short term expenses or immediate expenses like housing and food and all that, then that probably wasn't the best idea. Like in that sense, I would I would have been OK with, you know what, if we needed to finance this car, so be it. We can talk about making extra payments if the loan doesn't have a prepayment penalty, all of those other things that you could do to pay off your debt faster. And so that's really something I want to want to leave listeners with is that I, I made sure that there are other things in place. I think when we talk about goals and when we talk about our financial situation, it can feel really overwhelming just to be really frank. And I, I know it's still overwhelming for me is because there are so many other things that are going on. And mm. so thinking about the considerations of like whether or not you should finance a car, that's not the only thing to think about. It's actually all of the other things too is like, not only is it your comfort level, but do you have your other needs taken care of? Are there other future needs? Like, like for example, if my son were to like need braces tomorrow and I needed to free up, I don't know, like six grand or however much it costs these days, I certainly hope to God it doesn't cost more than six grand. Oh, Miranda's making a face now. Oh, no. Uh <laughs> it, dep it depends on how bad his teeth are. So if I needed several thousand dollars and I knew that I needed that in the next, I don't know, six months then I may reconsider financing a car or I could say, let me hold off a purchase if my car is still in fairly decent running condition. And so there's all of these other factors really to think about before you decide on this one seemingly simple decision on whether or not you should finance a car. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like the financing of the car, because one of the things is, is this works for me because I truly leave the money I would have spent on the car. It stays in the market. I'm not spending it on something else. And then I have that monthly payment. But if something comes up like braces, which I don't have to worry about anymore. But if something comes up, 
and I need that chunk of capital, well, then I can sell a little bit from my portfolio. I can sell a little bit from my brokerage account, or I can use the short-term emergency fund that I have, whatever it is. But that money is there because it's not residing in a car. That's one of the considerations too, is is the money going to be available for my use if I put it into the car or if I finance? And once again, it comes back to I am comfortable with that level of debt. And then also I know that if something weird happens, I can pay off the car with the money that's like if I have to pay off the loan, I can pay off the loan. I can pay it off tomorrow if I need to. Right. And that's a that's a really good point. Um, before we move on, I do want to talk about current interest rates for vehicles. So this is as of 2023. So the average rate for a new car is about 6.5%. So that's depending on your credit uh, score or your credit profile. So, you know, factored about 6 to 8%, really depending on how, how good your credit score is. And then 10% if you're financing a used car. And again, that is average, right, depending on your, your credit score. And this is compared to 2022 when it was 4.1% for a new vehicle, and then 7.4% for a used vehicle. So that's still significantly higher than your 2.49% interest rate that you got, Miranda. That is a huge consideration as well. The other thing you're going to have to think about, uh, your lender is going to require you to have comprehensive insurance coverage, and that is going to cost you more money. So you're going to pay more each month on your insurance when you finance a new car this way, because you will be required to have that comprehensive so that's another cost to think about as well. Then also think about like what kind of gas your car is going to take. It might be more expensive depending on the car. Mine is minimum 87, like the the recommendation. So like I could probably get away with 85, but I'm not going to try it. So that's part of that too is, you know, what other costs are going to come with it if you're going to keep the maintenance and the upkeep and follow the maintenance schedule, all of that kind of stuff. And for those who want to buy a car more often, this is not going to work for you. If you want a newer car, if you like to buy it more often, if you like the latest model, my method is not going to work for you because, like I said, I drive it for 10 years. And so I'm not getting the latest model. I'm not buying a new car in the next couple of years. And so for some people, we'll put some information down there about leasing in our show notes, but some people like to lease. And that makes sense. So I'm going to drag my aunt. She's hopefully not going to listen. It's not that she would care. But my my <laughs> aunt is a big proponent of leasing. She likes it. It actually makes it sense for her. I haven't obviously asked her fully about her, the numbers part of it, because I'm pretty sure she would not be happy if I did. She'd think I was being nosy, which, you know, you could argue that I am. <laughs> but But she leases. And part of that is she really barely drives a vehicle, but she needs one because of where she lives. So in in Canada, where she lives, the public transportation system is okay. When she first moved here in like the mid-90s, the public transportation system wasn't that great in the suburbs where she was. So it made sense for her to lease a car because she only spent six months of the year there. So the other half, she would she would go back to Hong Kong. And so for her, she knew she wasn't going to drive that often. She wanted a nicer vehicle for privacy reasons. I'm not going to like divulge into all the cars that she's had, but let's just say they were they were like nicer than my Chevy. <laughs> they were nicer than Chevy's. <laughs> so she had nicer vehicles and she barely drove. I, I know for leases and, and this is, I think, dependent on the contract, but there are maximum sort of like miles you can drive. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you have to pay for them. And so she was barely 
she would barely meet those maximum mileage limitations. And so for her, it just made a lot more sense because she knew she wanted to switch her cars every like two to three years. And so it was actually cheaper for her to not buy a car. Like all of those considerations saying like, okay, what is my lifestyle? What are my values? What can I afford? We always got to make sure that we're the numbers are making sense for us. Uh, mm-hmm. What can I afford? And what is going to be the best solution for the circumstances I'm in? And those are definitely things we want to think about. So Miranda, what are the takeaways for this episode? So we're told the only way to buy a car is with cash because it's a depreciating asset. But on my end, why would I put good money into a depreciating asset? I'd rather leave my money in the market and borrow at a low rate and put other people's money to work. I'm going to put their money into the depreciating asset and keep my money in the market. But I do want to add that there is nothing wrong with buying with cash like I have been for the last several vehicles if you're not comfortable with the debt or if financing car doesn't align with your values. And so that's okay too. If you're able to plan really super far ahead with these purchases like I have in terms of putting away money in a savings account every couple of years so that we have enough, that is totally, totally fine as well. So for you to decide if financing car makes sense, doesn't make sense, other questions that we haven't really raised yet, Um, We have several resources. So the first one is the uh, Consumer Finance Protection Bureau or the CFPB. They have a great page on auto loans to learn more. And that includes closing documents. So what you need to look for in your loan documents, like what is the rate APR, any other considerations to think about. So you can learn more. If you do decide to finance a car, you can look at those sample loan documents just so you can understand what you're getting into. And then that section also has some considerations when you're thinking about whether you want to buy or you want to lease a car. So there's two of those for you. Anything else, Miranda, before we close out this episode? No, just thank you so much for listening. Remember that you can support us by going to Ko-Fi and find or coffee or whatever we're calling it. You could go there. And then also we have to ask you to like and subscribe. So make sure that you're subscribing so that you don't miss our next episode. And so speaking of next episodes, we are, and we is, I guess us, everybody else, most people in the US, we're told to stay away from personal loans. For some people, it's a bad word, right? But Miranda and I are going to argue, what if the personal loans can actually be a good tool to help you with your cash flow? So we're going to tackle the issue of personal loans and talk about walking that thin line between personal loans and predatory loans. Again, thank you everyone for listening. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on It Doesn't Make Sense. The best way to support our nuanced approach to money is to share it with a friend. Subscribe to It Doesn't Make Sense on whatever podcast player you use. For resources and show notes, head to itdoesntmakesense.com. We also accept appreciation in the form of a refreshing beverage via Ko-Fi or coffee, whatever. We don't care. We'll drink it. Just head to ko-fi.com slash it doesn't make sense, no apostrophe, and provide us with a fortifying drink. 